Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, mate. Frank, that was a quick answer. It was almost as if you were expecting me. Indeed. Sorry about that. Just now. <laughs> no worries, mate. So how goes it in Corona Lockdown Partyville where you are? Uh, I mean, it's weird. Do you know what I mean? Strange times. I went for a run earlier today and the park was rammed. So right. I don't think many people are taking it all that seriously. Still. Um, but yeah, how are you? I'm doing all right, mate. Um, you know, it's a little bit financially tough because um, all my work, as you know, is the same with you, is based around yeah. live events and shows and gigs. Yeah. So all of that is gone for the foreseeable. Yeah. Spent the last how many years working on getting people together, and now something that's the one thing we're not allowed to do. Did you have to cancel a bunch of shows? We you had like a solo tour coming up, right? I, I was in the middle of a tour actually, and the last. Um, part of it that we actually did was one of the weirdest times I've ever had on tour and not one that I'm in a hurry to relive. Um, you know, the news started kind of snowballing and, and we every, basically for three days in a row, every day, all day, me and my crew and my manager and my agent, everybody were just having discussions all day long about whether or not we should do the show that night. And we did three in the end and then after the third one it was just like, we need to stop doing this. It's not right. So uh, we cancelled five shows in the end, which I'm really gutted about. Is that a first for you? Uh, I mean, it's the first time we've had to cancel shows for a, uh, for a pandemic, certainly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I've cancelled shows here and there in the past, but um, uh, it definitely uh, uh, is it, a very strange time. How were the shows that you did in the lead-up to, you know, pulling the plug, those last few? Was there a weird vibe at the gigs? There was. I mean, the first two of them, which were in Bath and Aylesbury, were both great, actually. We were monitoring the number of people showing up. Both shows were sold out to about 1,600 people. And both nights, we had about 1,500 people show up, which, given that you usually get a 10% drop of rate for a show anyway, it felt like 
a normal turnout. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and on both of those days, I spent all day saying to myself, oh, we're going to have to cancel, we're going to have to cancel, and then got on stage and thought to myself, well, maybe not, because the vibe in the room, it wasn't even that the vibe was normal, it was, there was a kind of sort of end of the century party kind of um, euphoria to it. Yeah, yeah. But then the third show, which was in South End, um, by that point, it really felt like the national conversation had changed, um, the turnout was much lower, um, and the vibe in the room wasn't, I mean, it was a cool show, I don't want to do it down, but like, it just felt like an end in some way and uh, uh, straight after I came off the stage that night I was like recording the rest of the tour that's got to stop what did you do the other night though that I saw because you know you're obviously a man who thinks on his feet and always has did you do like a live show online to raise some money for for your crew basically and then didn't that go incredibly well it did yeah I mean the first thing is that um, the bill for the tour was me my wife Jess and then my friend Michael Schnabel who's from Ohio and Mike and his, his partner Vanessa were staying at mine for a few days in the aftermath of the tour as we were trying to figure out what to do. So the, the talking bill was in my front room anyway. Um, Facebook live stream is actually really easy to do. So I set up a fundraiser on GoFundMe. And it occurred to me, you know, I can't do a fundraiser to save the live music industry. That's right off more than I can chew. But what I can do immediately is help out the people who've had my back for a decade or more. And I'm talking about the musicians in my band, yeah. my live crew all that kind of thing. So um, I decided to do a fundraiser for them. And yeah, we raised about 44 grand, which is insane, um, and is actually really going to tie those people over through this period of time, um, which I feel really good about. I'm now thinking about what the next kind of thing that I can do in terms of further live streaming or whatever, in terms of raising funds for venues or, you know, for food banks or all this kind of thing. There's a lot of kind of worthy causes out there right now. And of course, you know, um, it's tough times economically for everybody, so I'm not sure quite how much money I can milk out of my audience time and time again. But, um, you know, I, you want to do what you can. Amen, brother. Well, let's, let's break for our first of five songs, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Um, the tracks sure. you've picked, obviously, is in the context of, although it very much is not the end of the world, uh, it feels like it, so I thought we'd have some fun. <laughs> we'd have some fun with it. Um, the first song you've chosen, I mean, this absolutely embodies everybody's life right now joy division um isolation i don't even think we need to explain the reason yeah, for this well, one actually, <laughs> i i find it difficult to choose but if you put it going against my head i would choose the therapy version of that song they covered it on their album trouble gum which came out in 94 is one of my absolute signpost records growing up so that's the version that i would choose to put on first personally um but yeah i mean you know it's it's a pretty obvious choice but uh we are living in the isolation days right now
kind of flip the narrative real quick we'll come back to everything that's going on and try and make some sense of it all if we can what's going on with you and fat mike i keep seeing this back and forth on instagram and there's always there's always moments of joy in times like this and and one that i'm enjoying at the moment is the back and forth over instagram between you and mike what what's going on there um well we have some plans and i can't really say any more about it just yet got got um, you we have some plans that predate the uh coronavirus pandemic but um, obviously now the two of us are kind of sat at home with not much to do, so we are spending our spare time taking the piss out of each other <laughs> on Instagram posts. But um, there, there's news coming, that's all I can say. Amazing. So there's always hope, there's always something to look forward to, and yeah. I just, I mean, that guy, his kitchen, first of all, looks like something out of like a 50 sci-fi movie with all the mint green yeah. cabinets. And then he's got yeah, these right. wieners, and he's like, "Oh, maybe I'll turn them." <laughs> Simple yeah, but effective. Well, I, I, I think I just outpunned him just now. <laughs> I did one about a fat microphone. Oh, I haven't seen uh, it yet. I'll have to check well, that. Have a look. I literally posted it about ten minutes before we had this chat. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um, so, your partner is she a full-time musician? What What does she do for a living? How's this affected her? Um, Jess has been an actress. She is these days. She is um, studying to be a psychotherapist. Um, and uh, working as a teacher in the interim, um, and uh, well, I should, I, like a private tutor kind of vibe. Um, uh, that, and that her income has taken a huge hit on that level as well. I think that as time goes by, that will level out a bit as people get more into the idea of kind of Skype lessons and that kind of thing. But it's a worrying time for her as much as for anybody else. We definitely are both people who exist in the world of self-employment, um, and. You know, the first draft of government announcements about helping people out didn't include the likes of us. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's challenging times. 
It certainly is. How are you counteracting the boredom at home? What are your top tips to stay sane? Um, well, I've got a couple of projects on the go, one of which is that um, I read incessantly anyway, and um, I always have a big pile of books that I'm planning on reading uh, at any given time, and there's a couple of really quite weighty tomes on that list that I tend to shy away from that I'm actually now making myself read. So at the moment, I'm knee-deep in an agrarian history of Russia um, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, um, which is pretty dry, I've got to tell you. But um, uh, I'm learning many things from it that I didn't know, so that's cool. And then, I mean, my other project at the moment is that I've been re- I'm writing songs for my next record anyway, um, so I'm just kind of, like, cracking on with that. One of the things that I'm finding very useful at the moment looking forward is that, um, I don't know about you, I'm somebody who operates very well with deadlines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, done. yeah. And, and I think that we now live at a point in time where you have to set yourself deadlines. Um, because there's so much time. I'm, I'm looking at an absolute minimum of six weeks sitting on my ass at home, and like, I, I don't think I've ever done that before, and it's very easy for me to do nothing at all and just try and complete Netflix or whatever. Um, I think it's really important to um, uh, set yourself goals and set yourself deadlines for the creative things that you want to do if you are a creative person. I, I think it's important also at the same time to not like be overly hard on yourself. I think it's important to allow yourself the leeway have days where you don't get much done because if you beat yourself up about it that's kind of productive um but at the same time yeah for me to actually finish stuff if i say to myself i need to get three songs finished this week for example um that's helpful to me in terms of pushing me forward to actually do things good advice good solid advice my friend um okay we're going to break for another track and I wouldn't have had this artist down as one of your selections. I'd love to know why. Um, she's an absolute powerhouse of a performer, one of the all-time great artists. Love this song as well, Nina Simone, I Ain't Got No. Uh, how come this one made the cut, Frank? What does it mean to you personally? I, I've just always been an enormous Nina Simone fan, as long as I can remember, really. Um, I think that she's such a remarkable human. There's an amazing documentary about her online um uh, what happened with simone um which is very sad actually you know the end of her life was not particularly rosy um but she was just uh you know a, a classically trained pianist one of the best songwriters of all time uh, an incredible incredible performer and this song in particular is one of my absolute go-to kind of pick-me-up songs if i'm feeling down in the dumps it's just such a joyous explosion of uh feeling and of, of like lust for life to point of phrase um, you know, and, and I, I, it, it always picks me up when I'm down. So what you're saying is triumph in the face of adversity. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's, it's a list of the things that she doesn't have in the chorus line is I ain't got no, but I've got life. I ain't got no home, ain't got no shoes, ain't got no money, ain't got no class. Ain't got no skirts, ain't got no sweater, ain't got no perfume, ain't got no bed, ain't got no mind. Ain't got no mother, ain't got no culture, ain't got no friends, ain't got no schooling, ain't got no love, ain't got no name.
Again, to kind of flip the the tone, what do you see as being the positive of of this situation right now? Things that we can take from it that are a positive, things that will come out of it that are perhaps positive. Do you see, uh, you know, any good things on the horizon? Obviously, the immediate financial impact is going to be devastating. There's no way of candy coating that. But if there is, if there is a silver lining, what would it be? You reckon? People are suffering and people are dying, and I think it's really important to bear that in mind. It's, it's funny because like numbers currently are quite low, and it can all feel quite distant and, and, and not real, but it is real, and people are not well, and I think we need to bear that in mind. I, there, I mean, and it's also really early days, so it's very hard to tell what's going to come out of all of this on a societal or indeed a personal level. Two things that spring to mind, though, on a positive angle is that, first of all, I mean, I tend to be somebody who's incredibly busy all the time, and that is the way that I want to be is the way that I choose to be, but at the same time, I'm not hating having a bit of enforced kind of slowing down of pace. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, man. Taking the time to just enjoy um, my the company of my wife and my cat and my house and get little things done around the house and, and indeed read, like I was saying. I'm not hating that. I'm, not, I'm very cautious about making the next statement, but like I do think... You know, we live in a, we've all grown up in a society that's very kind of individually focused. Um, and I think the fact that we're now living through something that's making, forcing everybody to be slightly more kind of communally focused is not necessarily a terrible thing. I mean, my own view of history, as, as I understand it, is that like you have to be very careful of um, uh, communal activity in the sense that when it becomes forced, it's a terrible thing. Nevertheless, I think something that makes us all think about something greater than just ourselves for a little while is not a terrible thing. Yeah, and you do see it happening, don't you? You see an awareness of the other person and other people's needs yeah. beyond our own, which, as you say, has kind of characterised probably the last 20 years, I would say, like the large part of my life I kind of perceive to be, as you say, a very isolationist, self-driven, greedy in many ways narrative. Yeah. Yeah, I think just sort of considering, the, the, you know, I hesitate to call this positive, but one of the interesting things about the, the, the fact of the pandemic is that it's very leveling. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't really matter who you are. Tom fucking Hanks has got it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's wealth is no protector. And I think that, um, you know, every, I've been reading a lot of articles today, actually, about what's happening for the homeless in London, which is um, initially is heartbreaking in the sense that it's very difficult to see how these people are integrated into these measures being put forward. But people are starting to think about people like that in a way that feels more human, and that's a good thing. What have you been reading in regards to the, you know, the homeless problem in London? 
anything concrete or is it um, a few a few articles that I've seen posted up online. I mean, I have to say I'm doing my best to stay away from um, the time wasting corners of the internet and to not spend my time on Facebook too much. Yeah, um, yeah. It seems. I mean, that's that's the thing I try to do anyway. But particularly right now, um, there's a lot of kind of uh, people. The devil makes work for idle hands, you know. And there's a lot of people talking a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to, for my own mental health and benefit, try it stay away from that kind of thing but um I, like i say I, I stumbled across some, some interesting articles uh, this morning who are your sort of closest circle of friends and you know obviously you don't have to name them but how are you staying in touch with people beyond um, your household what's your preferred method of communication um there's a, well i feel like i'm living in the age of endless whatsapp groups there's about <laughs> a thousand new ones started in the last however long I, you know me and my band and touring crew have whatsapp group where we chat to each other and everybody's checking on everybody else and beyond that just been texting friends and seeing how they're doing and trying to facetime my family and see how my mum is and um uh i have a new niece who is four weeks old and uh, oh wow see how she's doing um and stuff like that you know just i mean we are fortunate that this is happening in an age where the technology is such that we can have things like facetime and skype and all that kind of thing yeah it does i mean it makes it a lot more bearable even just in terms of the entertainment at our fingertips as well not just the communication right. but the ability to listen to any song ever written or you know rent any movie right. ever made that kind of makes things exactly. pretty pretty cushy doesn't it it certainly does um this next guy asap i'm gonna sound like a total granddad here frank how am i pronouncing it i was gonna say asap rocky Aesop rock. but it's certainly not Aesop him rock. <laughs> no no asap rock he's a he's a rapper from the states i couldn't tell you where he's from actually and my knowledge and awareness of hip-hop is incredibly limited and i don't for a minute want to sound like i know what i'm talking about when i talk about that genre but um uh, i had a bit of a taste in the world of kind of the more kind of progressive end of hip-hop um a few years back stuff like um uh, lp and old nose dam and those one and, and those kind of people and Aesop Rock kind of exists on the fringes of that scene as i understand it so i might be wrong about that um but uh he has, he has a record called labor days which is an absolute masterpiece and what i love about Aesop Rock is that in contrast to quite a lot of the very successful modern rappers and i'm sure you know who i'm talking about um his subject matter is not himself yeah you know and his uh, ego I, and his bravado yeah, and his bullshit yeah i had a thing a couple of years ago i realized i'd never listened to any Kanye West songs so i sat down and listened to a couple of records of his and i was blown away by the production um and the presentation it was incredible but i just found his subject matter utterly tedious because yeah, he yeah. ever rapped about it himself and i don't care very much about that um Whereas Aesop Rock, he's a genuine storyteller and he does it in the medium of incredibly tight, uh, brilliant uh, rhymes. And I find that, as somebody who writes lyrics myself, I find it kind of intimidating in the sense that like, the density of his art is unbelievable. Wow, such and, is uh, the level of respect. That, that's how high it is. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think this song, Lucy, is a really good example of it. It's just a, uh, an incredibly brilliant um, story. And it's, a, it's not lifting story, a very interesting story about what it is we do with our lives and, and uh, what we leave behind and all that kind of thing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I, if I could write like that, um, I would. Let's just say that. Yo, ask her. Hey, Lucy, come here. Eyes cut Blue barrettes. 
city born into this world with no knowledge and no regrets. Had a piece of yellow chalk with which she drew up on the street. The many faces of the various locals that she would meet. There was Joshua, age 10. Bully up the block who always took her milk money at the morning bus stop. There was Mrs. Crabtree and her poo. She always gave a wave and holler on her weekly trip down to the bingo parlor. And she drew men, women, kids, sunsets, clouds. And she drew skyscrapers, food stands, city towns. Always said hello to passersby. They asked her why she passed the time attaching lines of concrete, but she would only smile. Now all the other children living in or near her building ran around like tyrants soaking up the open fire hydrants. They would say, hey, little Lucy, wanna come jump double dust? Lucy would pause, look, grin, and say, I'm busy, thank you much. Well, well, one year passed, and believe it or not, she covered every last inch of the entire sidewalk, and she stopped. Yeah, for all this, you're just giving in today? She said, I'm not giving in, I'm finished. And walked away. Way. One, two, three, that's the speed of the sea. A, B, C, that's the speed of the D. You could dream a little dream, and you could live a little dream. I'd rather live it, because dream is always cheap, but never get it. Basement apartment in the same building she grew up in. Right. She traded in her blue barrettes for long locks, held up with a clip, traded in her yellow chalk for charcoal sticks. And she drew little Bobby who would come to sweep the boys. And she drew the mailman delivered every day at four. Lucy had very little contact with the folks outside our cubicle day, but found it suitable and she liked it that she way. She had a man now, Rico, similar, Herman. They would only see each other once or twice a week on purpose. They appreciated space and Rico was an artist too, so they'd connect on Saturdays to share the pictures that they drew. Look. Now every month or so she'd get a knock upon the front door, just one of the neighbors. Back the nice people. She was a strange girl, really. Said Lucy, wanna join me for some lunch? Lucy would smile and say, I'm busy, thank you much. The neighbor'd make a weird face the second the door shut. Then run and tell her friends that truly crazy Lucy was. And Lucy knew what people thought but didn't care. Cause while they spread their rumors through the streets, she made another masterpiece. One, two, three, that's the speed of the sea. A, B, C, that's the speed of the D. dream a little dream, or you could live a little dream. I'd rather live it. Deathbed at the senior home where she had previously checked in. Oh. Traded in the locks and clip for a headrest. Traded in the charcoal sticks for arthritis. It had to happen. And she drew no more. Just sat and watched the dawn. Had a television in the room that she never turned on. Lucy pinned up a life's worth of pictures on the wall and sat and smiled and looked each one over just to laugh at it all. <laughs> Norika, we had passed about five years back. So the visiting hours pulled in a big flock of nothing. She never spoken much about the spanning of her life until the day she leaned forward, grinned and pulled the nurse aside and she said, Look, I've never had a dream in my life because a dream is what you want to do. But still haven't pursued I knew what I wanted And did it till it was done So I've been the dream That I wanted to be Since day one Well The nurse jumped back She never heard Lucy Even talk especially Words like that She walked over to the door And pulled it closed behind And Lucy blew a kiss To each one of her pictures And she died One, two, three That's the speed of the sea A, B, C That's the speed of the D You can dream a little dream Or you can live a little dream I'd rather live it Cause dream is always chased But never get it One, two, three That's the speed of the sea A, B, C That's the speed of the D
in terms of the new material, how far along are you, if you can, can share anything in regards to that? I, a little bit. I've got 12 or 13 songs, depending on what kind of mood I'm in about the other, the last one, um, that are finished right now. Um, I'm, I'm, as I do with every record, trying, trying out a different stylistic avenue. Um, it's a little bit early for me to say exactly what that constitutes, but I think that it's going to pleasantly surprise a lot of people. Um, just trying something slightly different, um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. In terms of subject matter? Well, that's an interesting one because, like, prior to this week or last week, um, I was sort of, you know, my last uh, my last record was a history record. Before that, I wrote a kind of social record, for want of a better term, and be more kind. I sort of wanted to get back to more just idiosyncratic and personal songwriting. So there are tunes about my life and things I'm thinking about, but also, like, I'm, I'm really into stuff like the way that John Kay writes about things like a guy who saw Bigfoot or um, uh, a drunk explorer in a bar, like, very specific... Um, uh, little word portraits of a situation and I was kind of going down that road. I have to say that right now, trying to write, you know, this week, it's quite difficult to think about anything other than what's happening in the world right now. I can imagine, yeah. Time, I suspect that, you know, I'm not sure that the world is going to need 10,000 records about a pandemic in six months' time. You know what I mean? Like, um, I have things to say about it on some levels but again it's really early days like I was saying and like there is some value in reactive songwriting but if you want something that's going to kind of uh, endure then that's not always the best approach so I'm in two minds about how much of that is going to make it into my songs. This might sound like a bit of a lofty quaffy question but as somebody who likes to kind of dissect the world through the brain of a songwriter, if that makes sense, like you make sense of the world around you through your ability sometimes to process them as stories and as statements. When you're going through something like this, does the artistic side of your brain creep in or are you with something like this because it is so early on and it is so wild and weird and new? Are you just trying to process it as like a rational human? Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. The songwriting part of my brain never sleeps, and there's definitely a part of me that sort of tries to, whether I want to or not, or whether consciously or not, sort of starts kind of toying with couplets, and I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. But um, in a situation like this, more often than not, those couplets that arise are generally quite naff, um, <laughs> if you know what I mean, or at least kind of um, uh, crude, should we say. You know, it's it's a diff- it's difficult. Like I say, the situation's changing every single day right now, and, yeah. and I think that um, you know, a, a, a snappy couplet about how things were like last week is already out of date. Um, uh, but it's, I mean, I guess it helps me process it in the sense that the art of songwriting is distillation in many ways, um, and uh, trying to kind of figure out what it is I'm thinking and feeling in that method is, is not a terrible thing. It's just the question is whether or not I need to share that with anybody. Obviously, a couple of the big festivals have, have pulled. Glastonbury, uh, Slam Dunk the other yeah. day said they're postponing, not pulling. But, uh, you know, you have to only imagine, I'm not asking you to comment on it, but you have to only imagine that most of the summer is going to be dry of anything, isn't it, at this stage? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard to see how and when this ends, you know. I mean, there are certainly things that one can read which are quite pessimistic about that in the sense that, um, you know, I, I don't know when we're going to kind of pass a peak or whatever and I don't know when our health service is going to be able to cope with everyone just going outside and acting like normal and will we ever go back to normal and all this kind of shit. I mean, I have no idea. Um, and it's very worrying as somebody who, as I was saying at the beginning, who's made their living gathering people in rooms 
as, as their method of making a living in the past. Will you be embracing the technological side of performance more, like what you did with the fundraiser, even if it's just for you know shows here and there? Is that something you're toying with? Um, yeah, I mean the thing is, like, I, the, that's all well and good as a stopgap thing. I'm pleased to say, in the long run, that the act of watching a show on your computer, because I've been watching some of the other people's live streams, is not the same as being at a gig. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the long run, I'm quite pleased about that because they've made every other aspect of my life downloadable. So if they make that one downloadable too, then I'm fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, there is something, there is a power in, in a room full of people coming together for a common purpose. And that's the thing that I have made the business of my adult life and my living and all the rest of it. Um, and I don't think the live stream is a substitute for that, uh, thankfully, uh, in the long run. I mean, in the short term, I'm, I'm thinking of ways of kind of doing more live streams that aren't repetitive and that have other angles to them. Um, I guess we'll see. You know, I've got time to think about it. Yeah, man. Well, we should maybe toy up with an idea. If we do end up bunkered down for ages, we could do a little joint Instagram live Q&A or something or talking through your songs. Yeah. And Yeah, I just did an Instagram live joint chat thing just now and was staggered by how good the technology was. Yeah, I've been... I mean, Miley Cyrus, have you seen her stuff? She's doing like a full-blown daily talk show from her house with all these huge name guests and the production values on it is insane and you're like wow i guess it does kind of show you really the uh the potential and possibility of this thing that you hold in your hand it's nuts but as you say it's not the same and it never will be the same as that real life gathering thank god so um is this next dude is he steven van zandt's son what's the relationship here towns van zandt Great Towns Van Zandt. Um, no, he's not related to Steve Van Zandt directly, as far as I know. Towns Van Zandt is the songwriter's password. I have his initials tattooed on my wrist with a key next to them for that reason. Um, if you meet a songwriter who doesn't know who Towns Van Zandt is, in my opinion, they tend to not know what the fuck they're talking about. Got you. Um, he was one of the absolute greats. He was uh, active in the late 60s and through the 70s and the 80s. He died in the 90s. He lived a very tragic life. He was one of those people who clearly found life challenge you know and he battled addiction and alcoholism and all these other things and um uh, never found a huge amount of success in his own lifetime but has his legend has gone on after his death he's one of the absolute great songwriters of all time um i have some of his lyrics tattooed in my back uh, as well in fact um and indeed the song i chose to live is to fly right to live is to fly yeah beautiful song yeah. title in today's world it's, yeah and i would if, if we're being about this i would love you to use the version that's taken from the live album called live at the old quarter um towns suffered in the sense that his recorded output studio output was quite often badly arranged he quite right. often had producers kind of sticking nap instruments over the top but there are a whole bunch of recordings of him playing solo live that are absolutely pristine um and unimprovable and in fact i would vote for live at the old quarter by towns Van Damme as being one of my all-time favorite records um i certainly have listened to it more times than i can remember um uh, but yes, yeah, so I mean, it's a beautiful, simple, perfect piece of songwriting. Um, uh, uh, what does he says? Um, days up and down, they come like rain on a conga drum. Forget most, remember some, but don't turn none away. It's, it's perfect, you know, um, and, and it's a beautiful piece of music. Play this song called uh, To Lives to Fly. Won't say I love you, babe 
Won't say I need you, babe But I'm gonna get you, babe And I will not do you wrong Living's mostly wasting time And I waste my share of mine But it never feels too good So let's don't take too long Well, you're soft as glass And I'm a gentle man And we got the sky to talk about And the world to lie upon Days up and down they come Like rain on a conga drum Forget most, remember some But don't turn none away Everything is not enough And nothing is too much to bear Where you've been is good and gone All you keep is the getting there Well, to live's to fly All low and high So shake the dust off of your wings And the sleep out of your eyes It's goodbye to all my friends It's time to go again But think all the poetry And the picking down the line I'll miss the system here The bottom's low and the treble's clear But it don't pay to think too much On things you leave behind Well, it may be gone But it won't be long I'll be bringing back the melody And the rhythm that I find We all got holes to fill And them holes are all that's real And some fall on you like a storm Sometimes you dig your own But choice is yours to make And time is yours to take Some dive into the sea Some toil upon the stone Where to live's to fly All low and high Shake the dust off of your wings and the sleep out of your eyes. Well, shake the dust off of your wings and the tears out of your eyes. You know, what I found really interesting about doing these is the insight into people's personalities and tastes and influences. And obviously because the context of it is it's the end of the world. So it really does give a specific focus on, you know, the choices, why you're choosing them because of that reason. And uh, it does make you think, doesn't it, about the songs that truly mean something to you? Absolutely. I certainly think that Live at the Old Quarter is a record that they would put on if somebody told them the apocalypse was happening in 45 minutes' time. So have you ever done a live record, Frank? Um, we've, yeah, we've kind of we've released live, live at Wembley is out there. We did Live at Union Chapel. We've done a few here and there. I sort of have slightly mixed feelings about live records in general, simply because on some levels, one of the things that attracts me about live performances and art form is that it's ephemeral. You know, you had to be in the room, you had to be there. And listening to a recording, however well mixed, 
um, is not the same as being at the show. And if you really enjoy the show, I mean, there's a bunch of companies now that do this thing where you can get like a mix of the of this show that you've just been to on a CD as you leave. Yeah, like so a USB stick of the gig. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awful. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, that's not what you experience. What you experience was the communal magic of being in a room with a group of people and the, the give and take of energy and the reverberation off the walls and all the rest of it and a usb stick of something that's been mixed in a truck out front is not that um so you know i'm slightly dubious about that i mean you know every now and again you have a show that's kind of magic in its way as i say when we did show 2000 came out recently actually that was a special evening and indeed i have another live record in the works right now um we're working on the next as we speak so um more news on that soon um but but generally speaking i prefer a show to a live album i had uh jay over to my house a few weeks back to do a podcast with him um which you kindly you know set up i guess on the boat on the floggy molly boat which was the the last time we saw each other under circumstances which could not be any more different like on the boat in the middle of the bahamas <laughs> to locked up in our bedrooms but i sat down with jay we went for almost two hours in the end it was a great chat and we spoke a lot about that wembley show and the lead up to that and you know just as a statement that one night an event and and how special it was and how you know jay's just you know in, in awe really of what you achieved with that and and you did a little film about him right you wanted to just make a film about be- yeah. beans on toast is road to wembley Somebody was making a long-form documentary, which is out there somewhere, called The Road to Wembley. Greg Nolan made that film, um, which was kind of a 40-minute little thing about me getting to Wembley and how I got there and all the rest of it. And I thought it'd be funny to make a, 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 my own little documentary called Beans on Toast, Road to Wembley. So that morning of the show, I went to his house and woke him up, and me and my buddy Josh Burdett um, uh, basically got the tube with him um, to Wembley, and that was it, and it was about 10 minutes long. I think it's on YouTube. So here's one thing I want to kind of pick up on before we say goodbye. Do you think, I, I kind of predict yes, and I'm going to hope that this happens, when you know gigs happen again and people are out at shows again, because we've spoken about this before and the tendency of a lot of people to film shows and record them, do you think that having had the gig kind of experience taken away, that people then when they get back into them might just be like, I'm not filming this, I'm experiencing this, Like I want to be in the moment, let's have it. You would hope so, right? Yeah, I would certainly hope so. I mean, the whole thing with filming and gigs, I know that there are bands who kind of put signs around the venue and try and ban it or talk to the crowd about it. That's not quite my take on it in the sense that, like, on some level, people can do what they want. They pay their money. Um, my, my thought is about when I see, you know, phones rather than faces when I look out is just that it's a shame for yeah. that person, you know? Like, they're missing out. And, like, um, to pick a slightly left-field example, um, immediately after playing the Olympics back in, 2012 um i i'm just dropping that name (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but uh, i i immediately i went and walked the south downs way which is an old um saxon walking path in in hampshire and and uh in sussex um i walked from which this beachy head uh on my own i I did it on my own i didn't take uh, any kind of camera with me and i didn't take any photos and i didn't use my phone in any way during that period of time because i just wanted to experience it you know and i have memories of it and those memories are very dear to me and i think they're more vivid because they're not kind of polluted in a way by photographs and i do think that like people some people lose sight of that you know the best thing you can do is just experience something that happens and and cherish that memory um you you might hope that people might get more sense of that after this 
calamity that we're going through right now, but whether or not they will, time will tell. It's funny as well because obviously for a lot of people right now, the phone is the only lifeline to the outside world. Well, for everyone, it is the out, you know the, the lifeline to that. But I was chatting to Dom Jolly for one of these the other day, and he was saying actually one of the positives of this whole thing, which I'm sure you found with your wife as well, is just genuine quality time at home with your family that when you're out and about hustling and working and touring all the time, you don't necessarily get to enjoy. And so actually Absolutely. that's been really beneficial, I think, for a lot yeah. of homes is that bonding and that socialising. Yeah, completely. I mean, I'm doing quite a lot of just leaving my phone downstairs and, and, uh, and you know, going and sort of hanging out and, other rooms of my house and reading or working on music without having my phone next to me all the time and i'm really enjoying that love it well listen mate uh uncertain times are ahead for sure but um i'm sure the better days are also not too far away as well i appreciate you taking the time to chat it's always a pleasure and uh here's hoping we see each other at a uh you know a live event in the not too distant future what are we going to play out with then, Frank? A band so good, they just called themselves the band. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. I mean, you know, I'm an atheist, but if there was ever any proof of the existence of God, it might be that there could only ever have been one band called The Band, um, and it turned out to be the only band in history who were good enough to actually deserve that appellation. So, you know, at the very least, there's some serious serendipity there. Um, I love The Band. I adore them. The Last Wars is one of the greatest pieces of art ever made by human. It doesn't really have any connection to the end of the world, per se. I just did one of my favorite bits of music ever. is the live version of uh, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down from The Last Wars. Amazing. Well, personal connections are what make music so powerful and magical and exactly that personal to the individual. Um, dude, thanks so much for a great chat, great song selections. And uh, take care of yourself, dude. Much yeah. love. Stay safe and healthy. And I look forward to take hearing care, what's going to be going on with you and Fat Mike soon. I'm excited about that. It's coming soon. <laughs> All the best, bud. Nice one, Frank. Thanks, mate.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.